Hey guys, welcome to season one of the Prayer House Podcast. Our mission is to encourage and nourish everyone through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So welcome to the family, and we hope that you'll be blessed by this message. Hey everyone, um, my name is Tristy Paulos. I'm from Philadelphia, and I just first off want to say um, thank God for this opportunity, and most importantly, thanking um, Prayer House um, for allowing for this space um, that we could come together in all different areas. Um, I am born and raised in Philly, and I feel like I was so excited for this theme of being uh, Philadelphia that, you know, I had to wrap the most obnoxious Philadelphia shirt right now. Um, and I think that just truly shows uh, the people in the city. So if you ever come by, um, please, um, you're always welcome in the city of brotherly love. Um, but that being said, I just want to go straight into the word of God. So I'm just going to say a quick word of prayer. Father God, thank you God for this time. Thank you God for every single person on this line, oh Lord God. And I just pray that your spirit will lead, Lord God, and move, Lord God. My words are literally nothing, Lord God, unless your Holy Spirit, Lord God, convicts and moves hearts, Lord. And we just pray that the word of God will be open open so that people will be able to discern and understand the love of Christ in all things. Like, thank you God for answering your prayers. Jesus, I pray. All right. So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Romans chapter 13, um, verse 11. And I'll, I'll read it. I'll read from 11 till 14. It says, and do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. So I'm just going to repeat that little first part and do this knowing the time that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. Um, So two days ago, I actually saw this interesting video uh, of this um, group that is focused on, it's a nonprofit organization that is focusing their time and science into extending life. So pretty much it's, um, Uh, using this procedure called cryonics, this really, really cold temperature to cool the body um, where it's not at a freezing point and then preserve it. And their goal is that in years to come, as technology builds up, we can take ourselves, put it into like an iCloud and be able to change into whatever embodies so that we could live um, kind of like immortally. And uh, just so that people don't call me out for being a WhatsApp auntie, this is like an actual thing. Um, Alcor Life Extension, if you want to look it up. So when I saw this, I and I was like, wow, that's such a shame that, you know, people don't have a hope in Christ where they're relying on these means for um, all these earthly things to just live another day. Um, and then, but the CEO said the specific thing. It's not about that we fear death. It's about pursuing life. It's about living as long as we can. And again, I, my pretentious self was like, oh, thank God that's not me. But then I like thought and, you know, thought about myself and in the honest way. And I was like, if Christ came today, would I or would I really want to leave? Would I really want to leave this earth? If Christ came today, would you really want to leave? And if you answered yes really quickly, 
I want you to re-hear what I say and think about it again. If Christ truly came today, if today was your last day on earth, or if Christ truly came today, would you be so excited, so eager, so passionate to leave? Um, and we, uh, I uh, started going to a born-again church about 10 years ago. And one thing that I, after, I noticed that after the end of a benediction, the pastor and all the churches would say, Lord God, come soon. Lord Christ, come soon. Come quickly. And honestly, as a born-again believer, as a person that really spent time in the presence of God, I truly wasn't able to say that until two years ago. I wasn't able to fully say, Lord God, come soon. I'll be like, yes, Lord, come. come. I would love for you to come, but not right now. I have, I have things to do. I want to pursue a career. I want to be married. I want to have a family, all these things. And then when I'm old and ready, yes, come quickly, come quickly. Um, and so that really stumped me of why, as a born-again Christian, why are we still yet not able to be eager and excited for the coming of Christ? We hear it all the time. It's always in sermons and people are explaining how it happens, but why aren't we eager about it? And two things um, that I realized was either you, first off, in order for you to be excited, you got to know where you're going, first of all. And that's like one, one whole another preaching. The second thing is you got to be confident and know that the pleasures of this world, the things that you find as gratifying as success are nothing and meaningless in comparison to the kingdom of God. And that nothing and meaningless is really hard as human beings. We are taught in society that success is everything. You know, you're, we're taught this. We're, um, it's a point where we're idolizing it. But then it comes to a point, you know, if we are finding the stuff in this world more pleasurable than the kingdom of God, we can never be eager. And because of that, we can't truly be prepared. And one... Um, scripture that I love so much uh, because I feel like, it, honestly, I feel like it's underlooked, um, is in Hebrews 11. And in Hebrews 11, 13, um, it says, these all died, referring to the forefathers, in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, uh, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things, declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And then uh, verse 16, but they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. And then if you look a little bit more down in verse uh, 25, uh, 24 to 26, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the riches and treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Like, that blows me, where people who didn't even have the Bible then knew or had this biblical understanding, not a worldview understanding, but a biblical understanding of, yes, there's something so much greater. There's so much greater than the riches of Egypt and my kingship and my status, and willing to forsake that and put focus on Christ, which they didn't even, like, see before. Um, and then... I think about like, how are we able to discern if we are really excited and we are really 
seen as pilgrims on this earth. And I think one of the biggest ways to discern that is your prayer life. What are you praying for? I feel like a lot of times our worries and our prayers are focused on secular things or worldly things or what's happening today. And um, don't get me wrong. Education is great. Getting married is great. Everything is great. Getting healing is great. But when you um, start realizing that this world is temporary and not our own and this is like this is like nothing in comparison to the kingdom your prayers start changing and I started noticing in my life honestly in high school I was so so hype about school I was so hype about getting a 4.0 in everything um and my prayers was about that I was like Lord God and uh, we're taught even if you're not really a Christian you're taught pray before exam right pray to do well um and that's what I do and honestly I did really well but in college um, that prayer started changing when I was like, okay, if truly um, I, my goal in life is to glorify God, then that doesn't mean that I have to get, you know, a good grade, right? Glorifying God is whatever God's will is. So my prayers changed. I didn't pray for God, help me to do well in this exam. I prayed, God, if you want me to pass this exam, let me pass because I can't do it. If you want me to fail this exam, let me fail because I could do that. But like that's how prayers changes, where you're, where now the focus is on God. So when, uh, when you even do like not do well in a test or even anything like that, your focus is on okay, this is Christ being glorified. How can I glorify Him even more in my pursuit? So in whatever it is in your job seeking, whatever, praying that God lets your name be glorified. If that means I have to be at home for five months without a job and for parents or families to say that, wow, what a disappointment. But if that brings glory to God or if I'm being refined from that, Lord, let it happen. But to be, I love um, Prayer House's theme of speaking bold prayers because that's when your perspective changes. That's when you're, you have, have this higher understanding or revelation that, you know, the stuff in this world, yes, success is great, but it's not everything. And honestly, as born-again believers, or even a Malayali community, we idolize success so much. We idolize success to a point where, in testimonies or anything like that, we're praising God for um, that our daughter got admission, but we're not praising God that our daughter has finally, like, you know, stepped out in faith and is doing the work of the Lord. So I, that is something that has been put on my heart and just want to share with you guys that in order for us to have an eagerness for the coming of God, we need to start having a uh, perspective on the heavenly kingdom. And then if you, um, let's look back into Romans 13. So in verse 11, it says, do this knowing the time that now it is a high time. And if you look at Romans 8, um, Romans 8 is also like amazing passage, 100% recommend. Um, Romans 8 verses, uh, what is it? verses 23. So it's talking about like how the creation's groaning and laboring and pain um, for uh, the glory of God to be revealed. And then uh, the writers like, not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body, that eagerly waiting. And it's specific. It's not like we ourselves. That writer specifically says, those who have the first fruits of the spirit. So in order to have that eagerness, in order to have that wanting of God, this body is not my own. There's something so much more to this. It results in how you're um, gaining those first fruits of the spirit, how filled you are with the spirit of God. And how are you pursuing that in your Christian walk day to day? 
Um, and so let's look back at 11. So, so now we know that knowing this time, and let's be honest, like with COVID stuff, even the non-believers or anyone who hasn't even opened the Bible knows that this is weird times. People say like, you know, apocalypse, whatever in their own terms, but they know that this is a strange, strange time. And it says, and do this knowing the time that now it is a high time to awake out of sleep, to awake out of sleep. So sleep is comfort. And I feel like, especially our age people, sleep is, sleep is life. We love sleep. It's something that gets us excited, right? It's something that we are comfortable in knowing that. Um, and in, um, in college, I, um, my friend and I would be in microbiology class. And, you know, as studious students, we would sit kind of in the front with the, prof with the professor. And um, it was right after lunch. So I would try to stay awake, but my friend would always fall asleep. Just like, you know, the, the, the known head nod, like back and forth. And it's, you know, as a nice friend, as like a caring friend, I was like, okay, like, let me like, like nudge her or like, you know, tap on her. So like, you know, she wakes up. So I do that like lightly, like not evidently. Um, and she'll like wake up and then just continue on. But she wouldn't notice that I'm the one who's waking her up. And then she would start falling asleep again. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're like, you know, this is enough. So I like nudge her a little bit harder. And then she'll just look at me and she's like, what? I wasn't sleeping. And I was like, oh, we're just nodding your head. Like, what? And I was like, that's a lot of times us. We don't realize we are dead asleep. We don't realize how um, we may be worship leaders. We may be preachers. We may be a prayer, um, like interceders. You could be anyone. You could even be just like a normal born again Christian who has always been in the Christian feet. But it's not, the most dangerous thing is not knowing that you are sleeping when you're supposed to be awake. And I want you to like reflect in your life. You know, where are those aspects that you are really sleeping in, but you're not really realizing that? Maybe the things of like, maybe the spiritual lens is making you believe that, you know, I'm all good. I'm okay. Right. But a lot of times when you're feeling like I'm all good, I'm okay, is when the devil's deceiving. And so at this whole time, during this whole message, I forgot to say this, I want you to take it as, you know, that meme where it's like the swallow, like hard to swallow pills. I want you to take it as this, because this is like the word that God gave to me, and it was hard for me to swallow too, um, for the past uh, few months as well. So please, no, um, don't hate me on it. Um, just give it to God. But um, so regarding sleeping, that is, so God's saying, awake out of your sleep. And sometimes God is so, so gracious that God will put us in a scenario so we can understand, oh, we need to wake up. And it might be for us to wake up or the people around us to wake up. We look at people like John the Baptist in the wilderness, right? It says the spirit of the Lord put him into the wilderness. And then we look at Ezekiel. It says the spirit of God put Ezekiel in a field of dry bones. As we Pentecostal or born again people, we would immediately be like praying against it or like asking God to close that door, bring us to a different place, bring us to a place where it's nice and cozy and comfortable, where we are able to, you know, be with our other Christian fellows and it's all great. But no, God purposely put and positioned Ezekiel or John the Baptist or even Jesus in the wilderness or in the dry bones for a reason, for them to wake up and see their surroundings. And like God is calling 
wake up and see your surroundings. Stop praying for God, like, you know, work upon that boss's heart, work upon those classmates' heart and change their minds or, you know, like get them out of like my class. They're, they're a hindrance to me. Start praying, God, let me be refined by this. Let me be used by this. Let them be refined. Let them be used by this. And then that's how, that's how change occurs. Ezekiel could have just asked, God, you know, get me out of here. This is this is gross. This is dangerous. But Ezekiel was commanded, no, speak to the dry bones. Speak to the dry bones and let it bring to life. And God is calling, you know, whatever that is, whatever that area is where you are realizing this is this is dead. This is not where I'm supposed to be. Start realizing like, you know, maybe God is calling me to be in this area to be refined and used. And we see that, like, we are, as people, I, people of comfort and of habit. You know, like, think about the churches where we are planted in. Those churches oftentimes are in places where it's comfortable and safe and, you know, planted in a nice area. But, you know, what if God is calling you to go in Philadelphia? Go to Kensington. Those people are literally three miles away from us and are suffering, like, uh, cocaine addicts and all those stuff. Um, but like, what if God is calling you for that? You know, we would say, no, that's not the will of God. God is calling me to live in the suburban life, but God is calling for something even greater. And to be able to understand the will of God and see the coming of Christ, you got to be able to wake up from your surroundings. And the same thing with COVID, you know, as churches, I 100% prayed pre-COVID, God, let there be revival in our town. Let there be revival in the places that we're in. God, change it up shake us, shake us, shake us. And then when COVID hit, we're all like, no, God, like, send us back. We'd rather be in the four corners of our church, you know, like praising God and our comfort. And God's like, yo, I answered your prayers. You asked for God to move, to shake. But a lot of times we have to be in an uncomfortable situation for God to shake us, for us to be okay and with, with not being comfortable, to be, for us to be awake in our circumstances. And um, so then let's read that again and do this knowing the time. So we know the time that now it is high time to wake out of our sleep, wake up, get out and get start moving for the work of God. And then it says, uh, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. And because of time, I'm going to skip to um, verse 14. So it says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. And um, so again, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Um, and oftentimes, like we, as one again believers, I notice this where we use phrases so lightly, you know, walk in faith, you know, abide by the spirit, uh, put on Christ. And it sounds so, yeah, like easy. But what, if you think about the extent of what that means, like what does that mean? Put on Lord Jesus Christ. That means to put on love and actually like right before verse 11, which I'm not able to get to, but it's talking about loving your neighbor and like, you know, loving and fulfilling the law through that. And like Jesus Christ is compassion. It's empathy. It's forgiveness. Like, and I want you to think about the areas in your life where you're not able to do that. Maybe it's a person that still now you have a wound from before that you're not able to forgive that's not fully healed and you're still trying to pursue Christ while that wound is still there and you're still getting stuck and stuck into it. Like this is a time to come to the presence of God and ask God to heal those wounds, to heal those 
of whatever it is, if it's a view about your parents, if it's a view about a church member, if it's a view about a classmate, whatever it is, what's stopping you to be able to love, what is stopping you for to be able to truly share Christ in everything to everyone. If it's envy, like in the verse above, you know, we, oftentimes we put so much emphasis, so much emphasis on external holiness or so much emphasis on what people see. But God is like, guys, Jesus calls them out as Pharisees. You know, like God is looking at, you know, external holiness is important. But if your heart is not holy, that means nothing. That means absolutely nothing. And that was like the thing that like really shook me that like my, my, um, image to the church or my image to society means nothing if my image with Christ with God himself is not right. And so put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That means a lot of things. That means go through and going through the gospel and seeing the way that Christ lived. And you know, that's impossible as us humans do. Yes, it's true. But that's where the Holy Spirit is there. The Holy Spirit is there to convict us and to show us where we are wrong, you know, to help and guide us. And being able to be willing to get that conviction and see that difference in our lives is so important. You know, there's all these people in your class or workplace that just suck at, at taking critical criticism, right? Like to taking critical comments or anything like that. They're always very defensive. But I feel like a lot of times that's us too. That's me too. When I hear a word, you know, I'm like, oh, that's true, but I think I'm good. Um, but it's like, no, but being able to examine yourself and being able to put on Christ. And then it says, not only that, but make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. And again, another hard to swallow pill. But sometimes the things that you are praying for that God to intervene in your life may be things that you could easily take out of. You could take, easily take out. So for example, if you're um, calling out the girls here or the woman here, but if you are praying, God, help me to enjoy singleness. Help me to enjoy this time that I have with no relationship and everything like that. And help me not to lust. But yet you're spending and consuming your time watching, reading romance novels or watching these romantic films that really stir you up. Get that out. That is something that is, you're able to take out of your life. If you know that that's a hindrance, for your work or for you growing in faith, God is like, I'm providing you the provisions to remove it. Or if you're a person that you're like, God, I want to be a husband that is, you know, glorifying God, loving my wife unconditionally. But if you're still listening to, to music that's objectifying women or watching videos of that, get that out. This is a time where you are able to examine your life. And it's some things that are so, so easy to remove that we are like, no, God, you intervene. You just changed my heart while I still do this. And I'm call and I, I, I went through exactly the same thing. In um back in like the end of the two thousands, I was like that OG YouTuber, um, like obsessed with the YouTubers back in the day. It's consumed all my time doing it. But then also I would be like, God, help me just help me to find more time in the presence of God. Cause you know, it just it's like gets late and then I'm like, oh, help me to like grow in you. But God was like, no, you gotta remove that first. And then God would intervene. And oftentimes you gotta pluck out the things that is that is causing your flesh to prevail. You gotta pluck out the things and say that that is enough. I'm done with it. We're done. 
And it takes, I'm not saying it's easy. It's not because it takes time. It takes accountability. But that's why there's people of God, there's believers that are there to help you during that time. And also once in the beginning, it's hard and you'll be like, I'm so bored. But then um, that's where the Holy Spirit changes your heart, where the thing that you used to love or whatever it is, whether it's like, whether it's even the obsession of yourself, like, you know, your own beauty, or whatever it is that you love so much, when you're able to take that out, God starts changing your heart and your vision for the desires that you once had, the desires that you had for those things, you'll be like, oh, I don't really care about it anymore. And it, it would, won't happen maybe like on the get-go, but slowly you'll realize like, I don't know, it just doesn't interest me. It doesn't interest me. And like the biggest thing is the, t- the reason why we are so willing to sin is because it's interesting to us. It's because it's something that, that we desire, that we find like nice. But what if you saw sin, like you saw like vomit or you saw something really gross and you're like, ew, that's disgusting. Just get that away. What if that's our perspective to sin? What if that's the perspective to the things that God hates? And I'm not saying, like, I'm not saying watching a show or anything is sin, but a lot of times we use that excuse to keep doing it. A lot of times I'm, I, at first I was like, I, there's no sin in this. But if that is taking your time, if that is changing your character, if you're now concerned about what other people's image are rather than God's image, then it's sin. And you got to get that out. And then that's where it says, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know my time is like ending soon, but, and I know this went on a, like, I don't even know where I went, but I'm praying that the Holy Spirit ministered during this time. But these are just things that the Lord was showing me and speaking to me and speaking to my heart. So many times we get comfortable in where we are and we forget, you know, that this world is passing, that this is not my home. And if you have that perspective in everything, if you start setting your mind on the things above, your whole life quality changes. The people around you would be like, why are you not freaking out? Why are you not worried? Why are you so, so confident in yourself or in this faith? And it's because of that. Because as human beings or believe, as human beings, our hope or what the world says is to put your hope and, and everything in this world like success in this world, put it all, put it all. But God is saying, no, put that in heaven. All this is passing away. And you need a, you need that relationship with Christ in order to do that. But uh, with that being said, I'm just going to say a quick word of prayer. Once again, thank you um, for this opportunity. But let's just pray real quick. Father God, thank you, God, for this time that you have given us. Oh, Lord, I just pray that you would help us, that we would be able to align with you, that we would be excited and eager for your coming, oh, Lord God. And through this, that we will be able to share the word with others with urgency, with eagerness, oh, Lord God, and that we would refine our life, Lord God, with the joy that your coming is soon, oh, Lord God. And I pray that you would help me as well as everyone on this prayer line to align, Father God, with you. Thank you, God, for this time that you've given us, Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please, drop us a rating and review if you have the time. We'd really appreciate it. Till then, keep searching and keep listening for His voice. 